to another episode of uh, Mosaic Station, and we are doing another Movies with Mosaic today. Um, we are watching Into the Spider-Verse, which is available on Netflix. Um, and joining us today, we have some Mosaic staff members. Uh, so if you all want to introduce yourselves. Um, hi, my name is Cheyenne. Um, I work here at the Mosaic Cross Cultural Center. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And yeah. <laughs> hi, my name is Cynthia. I'm also one of the cultural programmers at Mosaic, and my pronouns are also she, hi, her, everyone. hers. Hi, everyone. I'm Sharon. I'm the program coordinator for Mosaic. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And hi, this is Chris, the director of Mosaic. My pronouns are he, him, his. So um, be sure to uh, sign on to Netflix or any other device you might have or any other service you might have that's streaming Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And we're going to turn it over to Sharon, who's going to control when we start the movie. Cool. So we uh, make sure that everything is set to... um zero <laughs> um and i'm about to hit uh play in three two one cool it's playing so we're seeing the sony logo and it's all wonky right now yes what's happening are you so um this is uh this was a cartoon or animated film i guess cartoons unfair um this was an animated film by uh marvel studios um in 2018 i believe um and is an awesome film um and uh has a lot of great pieces to it. Um, I know that when I saw it, it was uh, really uh, transformative in terms of how I understood how animated films could look. I thought it was an incredible leap forward, not just in the animation, but in the storytelling. Um, I don't know how other people felt about watching the film. Yeah, I feel like I've never seen anything like this before. Um and I thought it was really creative and different and um, something that, I mean, just the animation alone, the first, like, as you can see, the first, like, two minutes into it, you're already like, oh, this is very Save different. Go in love. Save the city. And then I save the city again. <laughs> and then again. And again. And I did, uh, I did this. Um... So uh, we are watching right now the the kind of intro to Peter Parker. They're kind of going through some of the Sam Raimi films. Um, that's where the uh, dancing Spider-Man comes from. Um, but uh, I, I kind of want I, I mean, I wanted to ask both Cheyenne and Cynthia, like, 
one, have you seen this movie before? And then two, what were your reactions seeing this movie? Mm, I've seen this movie before. I actually cried um, towards the end. I thought it was very emotional. Um, I grew up watching Spider-Man. I used to think one of the actors, I don't remember which one it was, but I just thought he was creepy. So I had a phase where I didn't like him, but then I started liking him again like a few years ago. I think it was Spider-Man uh, 3. I didn't like the actor in that one. Yes. He scared me. I, I will say both both <laughs> actors before Tom Holland that played Spider-Man were both kind of creepy. So that's totally understandable. What about you, Shane? <laughs> yeah, I've watched it like um, probably three times already. And I really, really loved it, especially with like the soundtrack really gave the mood to it as well but also i thought mm-hmm. it was re- like here in the very beginning you see his parents and mm-hmm. so um like it it's kind of like when we were talking about like black panther like um you know having more movies or especially like an anime like his mom so i guess i think the term is he's afro latinx right mm-hmm. yeah which i thought was really cool because i feel like you don't usually you see like a lot of movies um yeah um where like it's usually like the main character is black or his parents are either white and black or Mm -hmm. but you don't really see like you know mixed race like um or multi-ethnic like people you know in like movies so i thought it was pretty interesting yeah definitely um i don't know like the colors like the the style of the animation really like um I really like that too, as well. So, mm-hmm. nice to see. Yeah, I think I think the the animation style definitely speaks to like the um, kind of energy and the like the uh, weight of the film. You know, it's not it's not just like a classic like Disney animation or whatever, but it's actually more resonant, I think, with how folks uh, are feeling. Um, and especially the way that it uses like hip hop and stuff as well. So, um, uh, talking a little bit about Miles Morales, the character, you know, Miles Morales being the main character in this film. Um, and to what you were saying, Cheyenne, he is Afro Latinx or Afro Latinx. Um, he, uh, has a black father and a, Cuban mother? That might be wrong. Um, I think uh, the Puerto mom Rican. identifies as Puerto Rican. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he uh, um, was created in Marvel Comics in 2012, I believe, um, by Brian Michael Bendis um, and Sarah... Um, Paracelli, I think. Um, who's the uh, artist? Oh, P- uh, Pacelli. Um, and he uh, he is actually created um, uh, uh, kind of in in uh, in the wake of uh, Barack Obama's election in two thousand eight, um, and it was kind of a moment when Marvel's, uh, at the time, Brian Michael Bendis was the writer for Ultimate Spider-Man, which was not the main universe Spider-Man, but uh, a really popular Spider-Man title. 
Um, and they were thinking about, you know, this idea of how we were on the verge of electing our first, like, non-white um, United States president. Um, and uh, what a significant moment that was. And they started thinking about some of the things that they were doing at Marvel and how, you know, a lot of the heroes in Marvel at the time were were white, you know, um, and Spider-Man being one of the like most visible mainstay heroes in Marvel's continuity um, and how, you know, what it, what it would be like to increase the level of representation um, to better reflect the readership, I think, of uh, Marvel Comics. And so they they kind of came up with this idea of uh, Miles Morales as you know a um, person with uh, mixed myth, mixed ethnicity who is black who is Latinx um, who came from a working class background um, who uh, was a genius student but had a lot of like um, uh, real life issues that he was facing which has always kind of been the hallmark of Spider Man as a character. Um, and they pulled the trigger and they, they were like, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, I think, um, to Brian Michael Bendis's credit as an, as a writer, um, he really causes you to, uh, immediately, uh, kind of fall in love with Miles as a character. And, and, you know, despite the fact that at the time we had like, uh, 50 years of Peter Parker being Spider-Man. Like the minute you first meet Miles, you're like, "Oh, this dude! Like, I can see this dude as Spider-Man," you know. Um, and I think this movie really translated that as well. Like, I think for for people, I don't know how y'all feel, but for people who are unfamiliar with Miles as a comic book character, like, I think like when you watch this movie, you immediately like feel like he's. Uh, someone you can relate to, someone you can root for, someone who you want to see as Spider-Man. Um, so we see here in the film, he's trying to get kicked out of his uh, private school. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, how do you all feel about the increase of representation around um, Spider-Man being not just a white male person? I really like it personally. Um, just like everything about like um, just getting to see Miles' identity like play out in the film. Like it's something that you barely see, especially in like these kind of animated films. And um I don't know. I feel like Marvel's really been stepping up its game. I also think that, slightly. you know, um, Cheyenne kind of mentioned um, the music and just seeing the cultural representation. You know, I think um, oftentimes you don't like we talked about this at Black in the Black Panther um, movies with Mosaic, but Wakanda had its own culture and its own feel. And I feel like with this movie, it actually showed um, more of New York it showed more of um you know the history of um New York even slightly right because hip-hop is like where 
you know, it happened in New York. And so to know the music was cultivated in this way and to see this identity of the superhero kind of come through, um, you know, I think speaks more truly to what the original um, comic books even kind of didn't really accomplish, um, if that makes sense. And then also I think you see um, representation in different forms, not just in race and ethnicity. Um, You see it in masculinity, right? To have his dad in the beginning of the movie uh, make it very like explicit that like, hey, I love you. You know, I think that's really cool to see, especially because in the old comic books and movies, um, Peter Parker didn't have a dad, right? He grew up with an aunt. He really didn't have any masculine figure. So you see representation in that way as well. Um, and I think, you know, that's that was really different for me watching this and, you know, growing up with Spider-Man, maybe not as much as reading like comic books, but still knowing what Spider-Man is and having it in popular culture and then seeing this movie come to light in this way and seeing so many different types of representation um, and around so many different issues even, I think it was really cool for me. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think that's a great point you made about contrasting Peter's um, background with Miles's background. I think, um, you know, as we're <clears throat> starting to see here that we, we as viewers won't realize until later, spoilers. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, uncle Aaron is, is the prowler. He's a, he's a, he's a supervillain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's very much in the the comic books as well. When Miles was introduced as a comic book character, um, this is the same dynamic. His father and his, and his uncle were like, his father was a cop. His uncle was the prowler. Um, and, that the idea of being, you know, one of the things that Miles struggles with as a character is not the lack of a male role model, but the idea that, you know, is he defined by these men in his life? You mm-hmm. know, like, is he supposed to be a criminal? Is he supposed to be a cop? Is he supposed to be, you know, living up to either one of these two people's legacies? Whereas I think, you know, the tragedy of Peter Parker of not having his parents around is kind of um, played the other direction, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, it sucks that he doesn't have his parents around, but he also like, you know, he gets to like, kind of, kind of idolize his uncle Ben, who, who's his like, kind of beacon as a superhero, you know, even though uncle Ben, like uncle Ben's death is the tragedy that, that forms Spider-Man as a superhero, Mm -hmm. but he, you know, he forever gets to like, idolize uncle ben in in its purest like sainthood kind of form whereas miles doesn't really have that right um let me see here oh the spider ah there it is this is the moment the way uh, this is drawn it is so good oh it is this is this is not recommended. If you are around irradiated spiders and you get bitten, please report to poison control. Yeah. Uh, you will not get superpowers in real life this way. Please do not try it. <laughs> Did it freeze on me? <laughs> oh, sorry. 
Sorry. Okay. okay. It, it so we're all watching Miles think he hit puberty? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so now we're also starting to see like so the the I think the film's playing with some like comic book tropes as mm-hmm. well. Seeing the caption boxes be used, that's really cool. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, uh, Spider-Man, talking a little bit about Spider-Man, I mean, um, Spider-Man, you know, famously created in 1962 by Stan Lee for Marvel Comics, um, and was the first, um, kind of superhero sensation by Stan Lee. He, um, at the time was i think in his early 20s i believe writing for timely comics or for marvel comics he originally was writing for timely comics before that which was the same company just with a different name but um uh he was writing at the time you know superhero comic books weren't popular um and uh he uh kind of wrote uh for a story for a book called amazing fantasy and amazing fantasy was scheduled to be canceled and issue 14 was its last issue and uh um his wife at the time um was basically like look stan like you don't like writing comic books the way they are right now you it's the last issue you might as well write a story you like i mean who cares if it's not good it's gonna get canceled anyway so he used Amazing Fantasy number 14 to write Spider-Man. And he wrote, you know, this idea of like a teenage superhero. Um, he always thought it was stupid that, that Batman had Robin. He didn't understand why there were teenage sidekicks in the superhero. He was like, look, if a teenager is going to be a superhero, they're going to be their own superhero. No superhero is dumb enough to take a teenager into, fight, into combat. Um so so he he was basically he recontextualized it um and he put he put spider-man in new york because that's where he was you know and stanley's thought was always uh i live in new york why not just have the superheroes live in new york um and uh and what they found out was that spider-man amazing fantasy number 14 was incredibly popular um they didn't find this out until afterwards because the book was already canceled. So they didn't get sales reports until months later. Um, but once they discovered that people love Spider-Man, then uh, it kind of gave Stanley the uh, power to create more Spider-Man stories. Um, now, one of the things that he always talked about later in his life that uh, was um, kind of an accident, but kind of on purpose Um, was that because Spider-Man as a superhero had his entire body covered, um, he realized that, that kids who are reading the book, anybody could pretend to be Spider-Man, um, because the, the costume covered their entire body. 
So it didn't matter like what your body really looked like. It didn't matter like your skin color. It didn't matter any of that other stuff. Um, like uh, your your body, you, anybody could be Spider-Man. And so he realized that that was the magic of Spider-Man was that um, anybody could pretend to be Spider-Man, right? Like not everyone could pretend to be Superman, but anybody can pretend to be Spider-Man. And so, you know, the fact that they would, you know, decide years years later that they would try to do a multi-ethnic um you know uh superhero the non-white superhero and use a spider-man as the model is really like indicative of like stan lee's like intentions behind the superhero You see there uh, some Easter eggs in his phone. He had B. Bendis, who's Brian Michael Bendis, his creator, as well as Sarah Pacilli, who is his original artist, also his creator. So he's uh, essentially friends with his own god, which is weird, but that's okay. I think if I were originally bit by a spider, I don't think I would have just brushed it off. Right. That's a giant-ass spider. Yeah, and if you cried. remember that scene, the spider was glowing. Like, there were parts right. of the body that were glowing. Like, I don't know how I'd feel about being bitten by a glowing spider. Right. So we kind of, we kind of see an indication now of one of Spider-Man's powers of his spider sense, um, the ability to kind of intuit danger um, and know that danger's around him. So this is uh, one of Spider-Man's skill sets. Um, So, oh, the Green Goblin. So we see here Peter Parker fighting Green Goblin, a perennial arch nemesis for um, Spider-Man. Green Goblin in the comic books actually um, is Spider-Man's arch nemesis and is the person that killed Gwen Stacy. Spoilers. Um, is a person that, uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, caused the most grief and most harm to Spider-Man throughout his entire life um, and is a legacy supervillain, actually. Uh, Norman was um, the father of Peter's friend, Harry, and then eventually Harry inherited the mantle of Green Goblin, and that was tragic, and then Harry died, and Spider-Man, you know, cried over that, and it, it's... It's been a series of powerful stories throughout the history of Spider-Man.
So they never really explain this in the film, which I don't think they need to. You get the film anyway. But in the comic book, the explanation was that the company that there, the, there was um, a genetic company that had stolen Spider-Man's blood and was experimenting with it. That's why the spider was created. And that the Prowler actually um, stole something from that company and the, sp- the spider tagged along on the Prowler's stuff. So mm. that's, that's how the spider with Peter's blood got to Miles. Um, kind of convoluted but and not really explained in the film at all. But, you know, for those who are wondering why there happened to be a second spider that, that did the exact same thing that the first spider did. Right. Yeah. I never thought about that before. I, I don't think I ever thought about it because I was so into the the movies. Like, oh, yeah, okay, there's two Spider-Mans. Like, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> so we see there the first appearance of the Prowler in costume. That's Uncle Aaron. Um, we don't know that yet. We don't know. Yeah, spoilers. What, whatever. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Again, like the Black Panther commentary, this is not the way you should be watching this movie for the first time. Right. Ew. Also, my first instinct would be to run, not to record any of this. (laughs) Yes, but that's why Miles is Gen Z. And uh, you're not. (laughs) Miles is like, oh, I got to get this on Instagram. So, uh, Cynthia and Cheyenne, um, assuming you're still there. Um, okay, cool. Um, I'm quiet. still here. Um, <laughs> just uh, as as folks, I don't know how familiar are you with like Spider Man's like story and universe and like who all these people are. Um, mm-hmm. I'm semi familiar. Uh. But, like, I know about, like, the Green Goblin, and then, like, his best mm-hmm. friend's dad is the Green Goblin. Um, I feel like there was more. Wasn't it, was it one of the villains that he had? Mm-hmm. Like, He's had a lot of scientists. people villains. Yeah. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. and then, like, Sandman, Venom. Mm-hmm. I don't know, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, so I know about, like spider-man like his story but i think when we get the different universes like Mm -hmm. all the different movies with different actors i think that's where i get really confused so a lot of the time i think when i first watched it i was kind of wondering i had to watch it more than once to kind of understand it and like to have people like explain it to me but it still Mm -hmm. gets a little bit confusing sometimes Mm mm-hmm yeah, totally. I understand that. I think um, what's what's hard sometimes is that like some of the characters, like when they start doing the alternate universes um, in just a minute, some of the characters are like a couple of the characters have like a history in the comic books, and a couple of the characters um, don't. Like they they were they like they were created in the comic books, but really really recently, and don't have like a long history, you know. Um, and really we're just like, most of those characters are just like kind of goofy ideas that the writers are just like, oh, I bet we can make this work, you know? Um, 
Yeah. So we see he we see here Spider Peter Parker's signature wit even to the end, um, which is really interesting because this verse Spider Man is almost I feel like um, Deadpool <laughs> with the with the mm-hmm. humor, mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was like an interesting way to play. Like, if you're going to have two Spider-Mans, like, how do you make them different? Like, obviously, one is a Afro-Latinx, you know, teenager, and the other mm. is, like, a, a more experienced white mm. man. Um, but I, I thought the humor itself was, like, the dialogues really set mm-hmm. them apart as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, so, so Spider-Man the comic books was a very quippy jokey character and one of the things that people always criticized about the films was that both um toby mcguire and andrew garfield neither of them were as jokey or quippy as the comic book spider-man is supposed to be um having said that i think even though it's not really super explicit this peter Parker, this blonde peter parker is i think meant to be toby mcguire slash andrew garfield like the live action movies Mm. Um, and that's why, like in their in the like initial like introduction of like I'm Peter Parker. Here's all the stuff. It's all the like movie stuff. So like when he's trying to stop the train, and when he's like, um, he gets hit by the car in the cafe, and then he gets like he does the stupid dancing. Like those are all scenes from like the Tobey Maguire movies. Mm. So I think I think this is supposed to be mm-hmm. like the live action movie Peter Parker, which you know, sad, but he's dead now. Um. Which is, I thought, a really interesting because usually, or maybe just from my understanding, like Kingpin as a character, like never really does the dirty work. But mm-hmm. you could see that he's so overcome with his anger that he, like, killed Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kingpin. Kingpin's an interesting character in the Marvel universe. Wilson Fisk. He's the. Um, you know, like you said, he's the this underground criminal kingpin. He doesn't he has people to do all this stuff. Um, but it's made very clear in the comic books as well that like he built his empire, you know, and he's one yeah. of those like you know, people who like he uh <gasps> he uh basically you know built his empire from the ground up and he started as, you know, a strong man and like um, you know, would beat people up for money. And uh, very much like, you know, his strength is vaunted in the uh, comic books as 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 uh, uh, something that people underestimate. Um, I think even in the comic books, in his initial introductions in the comic books, um, uh, people think that he's just an overweight fat guy who can't do anything, and mm-hmm. he uh, he basically proves them wrong by physically beating up heroes um in addition to spider-man who he's beaten up before um he also his main his main superhero villain or rival is daredevil um who he's beaten up quite a bit um, that's right well so this the scene we just saw uh miles go back home um and he's climbed into through his window and he's hugging his dad and talking to his mom um but before that you see um prowler chasing after miles 
And at this point, you know, you would think that you could see it smiles, but and that's your nephew, but you're still going after him. Like, I thought that was really interesting. I never thought of it like does, that. Does, does, can you tell that it's oh Miles? Oh my god. Can Prowler tell that it's Miles? <gasps> yeah, he doesn't have a mask on at this point. Well, yeah. Can you? Yeah, but like, all I see is like, all I saw, I, all I saw was like a silhouette, but I, I, now that I yeah, think about it, like, the, Miles the does train turn tracks, around. He does turn around and Prowler is like, you see his eyes kind of squint. So, mm-hmm. We also, I mean, to not to not to defend Prowler or anything, um, but we don't we don't know what Prowler is intending on doing at that moment, right? Like he might be trying to just grab Miles and not necessarily kill Miles. Right, uh, that's yeah. true. Um, that's true. So. The yeah. soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, this soundtrack was is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. if 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 somebody's listening to this who has not listened to the soundtrack, you need to go listen to this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Stan, Stan Lee mm-hmm. in his cameo. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of a throwaway <laughs> joke, but I think the message that he gives when he says it always fits eventually is like that's like the power of Spider-Man, right? That was Stan's power of Spider-Man. Is that like mm-hmm. Anybody can wear that costume. It's going to fit eventually, right? Like, like, you know, it's it's not like it's not like Sp- Superman or it's not like Batman, where like you really can't pretend to be. Ba- I mean, some people pretend to be Batman, which is like toxic. But like, you know, and I think I think one of the things that was really important. <laughs> yeah, again, another allusion to that. Maybe not you specifically. Well, it actually is him specifically. Um, so. I mean, another allusion to that is, is um, you know, one of the ways that Stan always wrote Spider-Man and Peter Parker is that Spider-Man always had real life shit to deal with. Um, he constantly had to figure out how to pay rent. He constantly had to figure out how to feed himself. He constantly had to take care of his aunt who, you know, at times could be sick or need medicine. You know, he had to deal with his dating life. He had to deal with the fact that, like, <laughs> I that's a, that's a key bit. <laughs> He's like a, t- t- He also had yeah, a very competitive yeah, job. He had yeah. Like yeah, it was a job that like not everyone gets like a field that not everyone like mm-hmm. makes it in I guess quote unquote. Like Yeah, that's you hard. mean as a photojournalist. Yeah, total. Yeah. Because I just remember from, like, the cartoons I would watch or, like, from the films, like, what was J. the J. guy's Jameson. name that his boss? 
Yes, like he would be like, I don't like it, or I like it, yeah. or I don't like Spider Man. Stop giving me Spider Man, or give me Spider Man looking bad. But he was Spider Man, so he couldn't make himself look yeah. bad. I mean that you know that was one of the things that that Stanley always can't kind of came back to as a writer was that like you don't get paid to be a superhero, you know, like like he has to he has to yeah. make money somehow because he has to pay rent, and that seems to not be an issue with you know that's clearly not an issue with Batman. Um, I was just about to say that. <laughs> people say Batman doesn't have powers. He does have a power. He's rich. That's his power. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> so like it, it, it made the character so much more relatable, you know, um, because when people read comic books with Spider-Man in it, yeah, half the time he was beating up or getting beaten up by these like giant supervillains with like awesome powers and stuff. But half the time he was talking about how like, he couldn't make rent <laughs> he, or he was like, he couldn't afford to buy food that week or like whatever. Right. And it, it caused people to be like, Oh, this makes a lot of sense. You know? So here we have the introduction of Peter B. Parker, the alternative universe, Spider-Man who, uh, a bit older, a bit graying, a bit of a dad bod. Let's do this one last time. <laughs> My name is Peter B. Parker. I was bitten by a radioactive spider. <laughs> oh, the character who's voicing, um, uh, this one? yeah, is, um, oh, what is his name? Um, so even though this isn't exactly a storyline of our modern day Spider-Man, I think, um, this is as close as we have to our comic book Spider-Man. There's, I think that's why when you see him swing by the Coke sign, it's our Coke sign and not one of the alternative universe. So this, this is basically our Spider-Man. <laughs> and it's very telling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things about doing a monthly ongoing, there's dad bod. Um, one of the things about doing a monthly ongoing comic book series that all comic books, all long running comic books have to deal with eventually is that you, you kind of run out of stories to tell, you know, it's like Spider-Man with first published amazing fantasy. Number 14 was first published in 1962. So at this point, like we're on like 58 years, almost 60 years of Spider-Man comic books and they're still published monthly, you know, mm -hmm. and at, at its height, there was um, a different, there were four different Spider-Man books being published at the same time at Marvel, meaning that there was a different comic book um, every week being published about Spider-Man. Um, so when you have that many stories, you can see an alternative universe Coke sign there um, and alternative universe Seth Rogen on the billboard. Um, but like, you know, at some point you realize that like you're, you're out of stories to tell, you know? 
And like you start telling these stories, you start getting more and more outlandish. It's also really funny to to contrast different um, Spider-Mans with just hair color. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a trope in a lot of like, um, you know, romantic comedies or um, yeah. things. So I thought it was really funny that they did this. Yeah. Or did that in this movie. It's such a great sci-fi trope to be like, oh, this is a different universe person. Oh, how do you know? Well, he has he's blonde. Right. <laughs> you see Miles not quite understanding how to swing at all. Um. That's got to hurt running into your own gravestone. that would end (laughs) (laughs) the animation is just crazy it's great right it has such an energetic feel Spider-Man New York fashion, the New Yorkers uh, end up not caring at all that those two people just <laughs> fell out of the sky and landed in in uh, the middle of the street. Um, it's kind of a running joke in the Spider-Man universe in the comic books that uh, New York actually kind of hates Spider-Man and everyone wants him to die. Graphics. I had him 
in the wrong dimension. <laughs> Oof. Look, I'm not looking for a side gig as a Spider-Man coach. I got a lot going on. So we can we can see a version of Peter Parker that's completely given up on himself, <laughs> given up on Spider-Man. Like this version of Peter doesn't feel like he's a benefit to the world at all. Must have gone into to do each scene. I think um, there's a certain cynicism to uh, this version of Peter that, uh, you know, really speaks to um, kind of like, you know, I think we, we, as we get older, not to say that it's a, it's a, uh, age thing, but, you know, I think, I think there is a loss of optimism and a loss of like, like um, of hope, you know, as you get older and as you get to, uh, see some of the terrible things that happen in the world, you know, and uh, it makes me wonder, like, how much of this film, this version of Peter came about because, you know, the world in 2018 is very different than the world was in 2012. And, uh, you know, there might be a loss of hope or, or increase of cynicism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting to think like if you were gonna mentor someone who had the exact same abilities as you what mm -hmm. that what that would look like and then here we are <laughs> and of course and then, we, uh, and then yeah. the cape trope <laughs> Yeah, Clear, clearly uh, 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 not to Edna mode and uh, the Incredibles. Yeah. No cave. Um, <laughs> I also love that cynical Peter's still wearing his sweatpants. Um, right. Well, because the bottom of his suit got shredded <laughs> when he was going through different dimensions. No, I think it's just because cynical Peter always wears his sweatpants. 
Oh, really? Yeah. It's, uh, it's you know, it's post-divorce, you know, depressed, given up on life. Spider-Man, he's in his sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do how how do you all feel about this version of Peter, right? This like cynical older version of Peter versus like maybe what you might have seen in the other movies or whatever. I think it's cool to have this cynical Peter too, because you kind of see like, um, like, yeah, you see like, like normal Peter's like hardships, but this one shows like, oh, like, mm-hmm. like stuff at the <laughs> fan, you know? Um, so it's interesting to see that perspective. Yeah, too. I definitely agree with that. I think that's a moment where where older cynical Peter realizes that, you know, even if he doesn't believe in himself, even if he's given up on himself, that like, you know, Miles hasn't given up on him yet. And then, you know, (laughs) still cynical. <laughs> I also kind of like that he's cynical because, like, he's telling mm-hmm. um, Miles how it actually is, so that Miles mm-hmm. kind of learns from like his mistakes and stuff from mm-hmm. when he was Spider-Man in his like di- dimension. <laughs> <laughs> These must be the most annoying lights to replace. I love that part. <laughs> the be- the best part about this is that like Miles clearly doesn't really know the lyrics to that song. Like he cl- he clearly doesn't really know the lyrics to Sunflowers. He's just like Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. But that's his happy song, you know? No, it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. And and very true to life. Like, I don't know the lyrics to that song. I couldn't tell you what they were just by listening to them, you know? Like, I'd have to look it up. (laughs) Oh, bad plan. So this is supposed to be this version of Doc Ock, right? Yeah, this is a new version of Doc Ock. Um, in the comic books, Doc actually does get replaced by his daughter at one point. So this is a kind of an allusion to that. Uh, I was going to say, I think it's funny that like this was Spider-Man's plan. Like, I'm going to seduce this lady. <laughs> because like he's clearly so experienced and has so much like 
so much know-how. Like he can call people speeches because he's been through this scenario before. So you gotta wonder, like, has this worked before? Like, is this like his usual move? Like, <laughs> is he like, oh, just to do some? Like that works all the time. <laughs> That's what my work computer looks like. Exactly what my computer looks like too. I love that he's like, I can't do this. The desktop is too messy. I'm gonna take the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) So of course, the clue that uh, she's Doc Ock uh, is uh, her glasses are octagonal, right? Like. And the lights, the mm-hmm. horrible to change lights that Miles got stuck in are also diagonal. Your friends call you Doc Ock. My friends actually call me Lift. My enemies call me Doc Ock. I got this, right? Oh, magic flooding computer. <laughs> I got it, handle, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> See there, Gwen or Gwanda. <laughs> Which you know, like, it's something Miles really should have figured out. <laughs> right, he's supposed to be kind of smart too. <laughs> That's true. He's That's learning true. how to I love that that was the very first thing Peter tells him when like, he catches up with them. It's like, dude, we don't don't carry the monitor. We don't need that. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> he got a bagel. <laughs> It's uh, uh, one of uh, Spider-Man's web shooters. Famously in the comic books, uh, the web shooter, the trigger on the palm, you have to double tap to activate. So that's the thing I don't understand. Is the web shooter supposed to come from a device? I thought it came from the skin. Yeah. So in the movies, they changed it to organic. Oh, in the Tobey Maguire movies, they changed it to an organic web shooter. Um, In the comic books, it's actually Peter invents a web shooter when he's 14. Um, And other writers have tried to retcon that. Um, Basically, what Stan Lee's mindset was, this guy is a genius. Like he could he can make shit like this. Like he's he's a genius. Right. And then what other writers have come in later and said was, there's no way a 14-year-old can make something like this. Like, this is, like, this is this fictional, like, glue thing that, like, 3M would kill to get. And, like, you know, like, doesn't exist. It's, like, you know, instantaneous, strong as steel, like, lasts an hour. Um, You can, like, support your body weight on it. Like, there's no way, there's no way, like, this thing exists, right? So writers have tried to retcon how a 14-year-old could have invented something like this. Um, and the simplest retcon was that um, somehow the spider, along with its powers, 
<laughs> also transferred like its knowledge of how to like chemically create webbing. Um, that was kind of a weird one. But basically, the the way that the uh, movie tried to do it was instead of dealing with whether or not Peter was a mechanical genius, they just said, "Ah, eh, he got organic web shooters, so they don't have to deal with him being a mechanical genius." Um, but you can see later later movies went back on that. So um, uh, Tom Holland's Peter, for example, uses um, uh, uh, mechanical web shooters, and it's not in his body. Right. I mean, the Tom Holland version also has, like, a freaking suit made by Iron Man. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Mechanical Genius is a, a relative on the Tom Holland one. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> so we have here Gwen Stacy. Um, in the comic books, Gwen Stacy was Peter's first girlfriend. Um, and uh, was one of Peter's classmates in high school and actually went on the um, field trip that Peter went on when he got bitten by a spider. And in the, um, in the comic books, yeah. what, they, what the retcon was is that in this dimension, um, Gwen actually got bitten instead of Peter. And then Peter uh, helped Gwen come up with this idea of uh, Spider-Man or Spider-Woman. Spider Girl, I think she is in the books, whatever. Um, and he ends up dying, and so she dedicates her life to becoming a superhero because of it. Um, a more graceful entrance. Sure. I mean, what what do you expect with the superhero who has ballet flats as part of her costume? That's true. That is very true. Yeah. I never noticed the ballet flats. Huh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Save her for Comic Con. See again, very Deadpool. Yeah. But this, I mean, part of this movie is like, this movie knows all the comic book tropes, you know? Mm-hmm. And it like plays around with it. So we begin to see Kingpin's motivation and backstory here in this flashback. Um, but, uh, this idea that uh, Kingpin's trying to uh, reach his dead wife and his dead son. Um, it's a little bit in the comic books. Um, his wife's not dead. In the, well, wasn't dead initially in the comic books. I think she might have died at some point. Or came back to life at some I don't know. 50 years of comic books. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah. Like, um, you know, I think uh, there's a certain kind of... Uh, Sopranos vibe to Kingpin's character where, um, you know, he's all business, he's a mobster, he's a gangster, he's willing to kill people, but then, like, family is still a different thing, you know? Back on the bus. He broke this? Yeah. He's 
How much older is she from Miles in the movie? Okay. Like two years, yeah. I think. So in the um in the in this movie she says that she's only been Spider Woman or Spider Girl for two years. Mm. And so she would have been fourteen when she got her powers, the same age that Peter would have been. So she's like sixteen. And that's when the Peter and her universe died, because she couldn't save him. Yeah, I think the Peter and her universe died actually a lot earlier. Like, oh, okay. right away. Like, but, yeah. This is a rather remarkable scene where both these people who like that the, they're their only family and they're both talking to somebody who they thought oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> sweatpants spider-man Why is she so intense? I don't know why she kicked her own door open. I know. I'm like, you have access. I just love how they made her so intense. Totally seems unnecessary that you would kick her own door open, but okay. Um, So this was always a story point for Peter Parker as well in the comic books of does Aunt May know, right, that Peter's Spider-Man? And in the original, when, when Stanley wrote it, um, one of the things that he thought would create really good drama and storytelling, you can see some of the famous Spider-Man vehicles throughout the years, the Spider-Man comic books and cartoons. <laughs> um, one of the things that he thought would create a lot of drama and storytelling is if Aunt May actually hated Spider-Man. So Aunt May thinks that Spider-Man is a terror and like is like not good for the world and is a criminal because she listens to JJ's uh, she reads the Daily Bugle, so you know it's kind of the Fox News of uh, the Spider-Man universe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's. By the way, that's a nice cape. That's uh, anyway. Um, so Aunt May actually hates Spider-Man. So so um, uh, Peter Parker spends his time trying to prevent Aunt May from finding out that he's Spider-Man, um, and kind of famously in Spider-Man 400 when the first time they decide that they were going to kill Aunt May, uh, which never sticks in the comic books, but uh, the first time they decide they're going to kill Aunt May, um, it's really a dramatic scene because what happens is she's on her deathbed and Peter confesses to her that he's been Spider-Man this whole time. And she tells him that she's known this whole time and that she's incredibly proud of him. And it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a, Really touching moment in the comic book. So we, yeah, um, we have here Spider Noir and we have Penny. Sorry, I'm talking through these uh, introductions. This was literally not going to work. 
and Spider Ham. <laughs> um, love Spider Ham. They sense danger. Oh, Spider-Ham. they just sense each other. Or do they just sense each other? Um. Okay. Cool. So. <laughs> So, uh, Spider Noir and um, and Penny Parker, this uh, spider uh, Japanese anime tech spider man, is um, they were both created specifically for um, kind of when they did this in the comic books a couple years ago. So it was <laughs> they don't have a history, but Peter Parker Spider Ham actually has a long history in comic books. Um, was first created for a spoof comic called um, What the I think. Uh, which was a spoof on their title "What If," mm. um, and it was really just a—it was a pun. It's a—it's a one one pun joke, which is, uh, "What if instead of Peter Parker, his name was Peter Porker, and he was Spider Ham?" <laughs> that was the entire joke, and uh, and now he's in a movie. And if you can stay here, you stay here, you die. I'm the guy who's gonna turn it on. And I'm gonna get you all home before I do. I made a promise. I have to keep it. Who are you again? (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna save the multiverse. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I like how Peter B it's like you spent literally the entire time with him while he was trying to figure out how to like shoot webs and him disappearing so like you should know yeah clearly he's not paying attention Again, this idea of like they don't really need to be this intense right now. Like, where, where's all this intensity coming from? Uh, 
So we have here, you know, the classic Spider-Man issue of uh, trying to balance his family life with his superhero life. Not doing a good job of it. So, this is incredibly tense. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized we were quiet for like a long time. Yeah. So we're at a at the scene where um, Miles is at his uncle Aaron's apartment and uh, Prowler is now in there with him. Wouldn't he, like, wouldn't he know, like, oh, um, that maybe they're related some way if he ran to his uncle's house? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess with his mask, he can't really see except for heat. So maybe he didn't see him in the, in the, on the train track. That's true. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll we'll get a better idea once we once they. I mean, they're gonna see each other again, for reals. So I think we'll get a better idea at that point. Um, so many people's groceries always just get lost. I'd be so mad. I spent all that money buying food, and then I just have to drop it. Uh huh. Right. Or even their cars. Someone's car always Look gets ruined. Fuck. <laughs> <gasps> like, it wasn't that taxi driver's fault, nor that truck. Oof. And now they have a they T-bone. Have more than that. I think it's Ooh. I think it's worth it to know. Prowler incredible cape. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There's Grace. That's like that a cape. three point collar. Like, who has a three point collar? Incredible cape. We should just have a dance party with this entire album. <laughs> this is such a good album. <laughs> that's that's also a trope in Spider-Man how like 
I mean, every superhero does it, but Spider-Man kind of makes fun of it a little bit in the comic books about how, like, his emblem is on stuff. Like, why would you add a Spider-Man emblem on all your shit? But... <laughs> Lies. Yeah, he was followed. <laughs> Absolutely followed. That's rude. Why well, ring the doorbell first? Live. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to go break in. <laughs> Who's that guy? He looks like a zombie. He is a zombie. In the comics, <laughs> his name is Tombstone. He is a zombie. Oh, not, okay. not important for this movie, but you know. It's good catch. Oh. Um, and he looks exactly as he looks in the comic book. So he's a zombie with a flat top. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's Scorpion. That's not how he looks in the comic book. So I don't know why he looks this way in the movie, but it's pretty cool. Speaking of collateral damage. We can see here Miles starting to short out a little bit. The uh, person who he has arguably admired the most in his entire life is now the villain of his story. Yes, Miles has all the superpowers that um, Spider-Man has, and in addition to that, he uh, can turn invisible, and he has a like an electric shock thingy. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> this piece must hurt. Like this, this part of the movie yeah, hurts. So he didn't. He didn't realize. <gasps> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like an Uncle Ben scene. Yeah. 
Here we have, yeah, this is uh, Miles' Uncle Ben scene. Um, it's like after all of that, like, bullets still freaking kill people, you know? Like, that's... <laughs> Oh, oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that will forever be recorded on this podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so we, we see here Prowler, Uncle Aaron has this self-awareness of knowing that he wants Miles to be better than he is. Better than everyone. Knowing that Miles is a not only not only is the next generation but has the you know potential to be better than everybody um in terms of like his heart and his spirit and his intentions So it's not really covered in the movies, but in the uh, comic book, um, the idea behind this backstory was that Jefferson and Aaron were both, when they were uh, young and teenagers, were both kind of petty criminals and that they were caught and Jefferson turned his life around and became a cop. And Aaron kind of continued down that path. Um, true yeah so this tragedy of spider-man is kind of baked into the character So that uh that roommate is uh in the comic books he's his name is Ganky Lee and he's Miles' only friend. 
and the only person that Miles tells about the super, like the Spider-Man powers, um, and ends up being like one of his allies that helps him figure it out. Um, clearly, Ganky's not portrayed that way in the movie, but they actually adapted the Ganky character for Tom Holland's movies as Ned. So, kind of what you remember from Ned in the Tom Holland movies—that's what Ganky was for um, Miles in the comic books. Are they going to be making another movie anytime soon? Another Into the Spider-Verse movie? Yeah. I think so. That's the plan. And they are going to make another Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan also. So I think um, one of the things that uh, kind of came out when this movie did so well was that they can definitely make another Miles Morales movie. And I think they also realized that they could make another um, a Gwen Stacy movie too, a Spider-Woman movie as well. Oh, yeah. So it, the next Spider-Verse movie, that, that's like they're supposed to make another one, it's probably not going to be the same thing where it's all these different alternate Spider-Mans, but it will probably be Miles-focused and there might be an appearance by Gwen. Hmm. I kind of wish, like, they had more faith in him, you know? Like, I know he's just, like, starting off with his powers and abilities and everything, but, I mean, I feel like they were all in that situation at one point, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they all had to learn how to live as this mm-hmm. new, like, heroic figure and, like, be in disguise. But, I mean, how often do we really, I mean... I think teenagers get the worst, like, you know, reputation in the sense of, like, oh, you're just a kid. You don't know. Exactly. Right? And then we have teenagers who have to eventually be like, no, like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But regardless, we always have that mindset. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember being that type of kid. I mean, like, no, I can do this. And my mom would be like, no, you're too young. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how my parents would be like and kind of still do like they think just because I was a teenager, I didn't really have like, like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, you know, I was confident, but it's like, they just tell you that you're too young and Mm -hmm. stuff. But the thing what I don't get, it's like, I know Gwen's more experienced and everything, but she's also a kid as well here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh? She's only two years older than him. Yeah, she, she's only two years older than mm-hmm. him, so he, she's still she's yeah, like sixteen, like technically. I think you know what's tough is that like, and I think that parents deal with this a lot more. So you know, and none of us are parents on this call, so I don't want to try to speak to being parents. But I think what's tough is that you know, when when your when your primary focus is to try to like take care of somebody, like you know, it's hard to. It's hard not to, you know, feel like you should, like, take over, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you're if you're worried about, like, if this person makes a mistake, that it could really, like, cost them in terms of, like, their physical safety or their well-being. Like, you know, I think parental instinct is to, like, hold them back a little, you know? Yeah.
that's different. I think this was, uh, you know, this moment of like Miles coming into his own and like being the thing that everybody knows he can be and like living up to his potential, you know, and doing yeah. it his way. This is like when, you know, Peter would remember his Uncle Ben, but in this version, he hears his parents, his uncle, like everyone that I think has made him who he is. Mm-hmm. I think too, what like you know, speaking as as folks of color on this um, podcast, like there's an element of this that's not just like individualistic, you know, success. There's a moment of this that that's like, yeah, like this is the embodiment of my identities. You know, it's like I'm not just drawing on like me being a cool person and being able to do all this. I'm drawing on the fact that like my family, my community, my background tells me that, like, this is who I am, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like the whole style, like, the new style, like, with the the Nike shoes, the hoodie, and I I think that's a, like, a, oh, my God, like, I don't know, like, a bomber jacket. Like, a bomber jacket? The style is hella dope and really matches, like, his character. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, it just gives a new, like, I don't know, it gives you, like, a new vibe, and I really like it. Like, gives, like, that urban, like, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. I think it it, it makes him relatable. Like, when you yeah. see him, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's cool. Like, I might run into mm-hmm. somebody dressed like that. I mean, obviously, without the mask. But I might run into someone <laughs> dressed like that, like, on the street, in the bus, like, you know, and they, they would be cool, you know? Yeah, and it's also, it just looks more, like, accessible to what a teenager would wear. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I also love the conceit in this movie, and I don't know, like, what it's from, but I love this idea that, like, Spider-Man just assumes that, like, nobody will question him wearing a mask. It's just, like, (laughs) as long as I'm in my costume, everyone's just gonna be like, oh, that's cool, you know, like, here. (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, he can just wear his mask, it's cool, like... Nobody will question it. Uh, he just puts a bow tie on. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. 
It's very, um, it's very interesting to see their, their different styles, Mm -hmm. um, as they swing into the, the area, (laughs) the Mm -hmm. scene, whatever. Um. I also love that, like, like Kingpin's motivation in this is his wife and his child, like. He's not trying to conquer the world, you know? It's not a, it's not about power, per se. Like, he's trying to look for... In his own way, he's trying to replace the people he loved. You know, the, like, the loss of the people he loved. Yeah. It's true. And and I think it's also, like... the Like, I think it's amazing that his, you know, reasoning is for someone like for his family and at the same time what led to you know his family leaving him he still hasn't learned from that you Mm -hmm. know and I think it's like you can what are your intentions if if you don't really reflect on it Mm -hmm. yeah which which I think contrasts with um prowler right like yeah like prowler like uncle aaron in the moment that he realizes like the kind of complete picture he realizes that like that's not the version of him that he wants miles to remember you know and he tries to tell miles that like don't follow my footsteps you know like be better than i was whereas like kingpin never has that self-awareness yeah yeah <laughs> I like how throughout yeah. the whole movie he keeps asking if he wants kids. Because <laughs> that's so the reason that um, one of the reasons that him and MJ ended up not working out in his universe is because she wanted kids. Yeah. I think it's also, I mean, it speaks to his age, you know? He's like yeah. late 30s, early 40s. Like, that's probably like. You know, that's that's what he's struggling with right now. Such pretty colors. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing this in the theaters the very first time, mm-hmm. and it was, like, amazing. Yeah. Like, it was so good that I didn't eat popcorn for, like, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely remember seeing this in theaters too and just being totally amazed by like 
just you know how everything worked you know I lo- and like just the way they weaved all these different styles into one movie mm-hmm. it's so flawless mm-hmm. I mean I'm it won something right it won one of the like major <laughs> awards I think so yeah I think it won some sort of visual something award <laughs> I also love that they they're really fighting together, you know? It's like mm-hmm. they're really like teaming up, which is like really cool. Mean Girls when <laughs> they're like, that's how Regina George died. Just kidding. <laughs> Ooh. The mentee becomes. I don't know what the saying is. Hmm? Oh, the uh, the student becomes a teacher. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, robot. Reverse the polarity, famously a um, Doctor Who, uh, Doctor Who uh, illusion um, from back in the day. It's a sci-fi trope to reverse the polarity. You first, Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Because he can't see colors. I love it. (laughs) 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 Oh, fifteen months. Oh, 15 months. Oh, well, she said she's been Spider-Woman for two years. 
but I think that just means that she got bit earlier than Miles got bit. Uh oh, danger. I think this is um this is the very final reconciliation of Peter of like accepting that that even if he doesn't believe in himself, somebody else believes in him. And so like I don't think he ever got over the fact that he was gonna sacrifice himself in this moment because he feels like he has nothing to go back for. And Miles convinces him that no, like, you have to go back and live your life. Like, people depend on you, you know? Although, I have to say, trying to take on Kingpin single-handedly, kind of dumb. Like, See, that's what I'm saying. Guns, guns are cheating. Guns are cheating. fit through that door. <laughs> I mean, even Kingpin's story is ultimately tragic, you know? In this movie, it's a... It's a tragedy that he never really understands, but it's a tragedy nonetheless. Yeah. <gasps> His <laughs> I feel like I didn't watch this movie like five times. I love the first thing he says is he needs backup. Like, what what are other people going to do in this situation? Right. It's a whole ass taxi. But doesn't the dad not like Spider Man uh, too? No, in this, in this film? film, I don't think anyone has any particular strong opinions about Spider Man. He's he's a hero in this world. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think um, after he uh-huh. finds his brother. Um, I think he he might have come to the conclusion that Spider Man uh, killed his brother, but oh, he does he does mention at the beginning of the film that like he he feels that Spider Man gets like un, undeserved praise when like oh, okay. they're also cops and and firemen and stuff, you know. Oh. So like the idea that like you know he's a cop and he's like, well, you know, I'm there too, but I don't think he hates Spider Man. Hmm. 
Ooh. That's pretty painful. <laughs> I think that that that's a significant moment too in the story where like you know Kingpin is, wants to punish Spider-Man for not letting him complete his goal of bringing back his wife but so he feels like so his he's using his family as an excuse for revenge whereas spider-man you know is channeling his uncle who kingpin killed and is using his family as a source of strength mm-hmm. um, yeah the familial capital no that's exactly right you know <laughs> yeah I think that it speaks a lot towards like the way our communities treat family and what we do with this family and like the value and importance that we put on it, you know. I mean, that that is exactly what Spider-Man means when he says I'll always have my family, right? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boy, they just blow things up willy nilly in this movie. <laughs> there must be so many holes in New York. I know Aunt May's house is like completely demolished. Yeah. Like, New York just must be riddled with like holes like this, where it's just like, oh, can't drive here. There's a fight. <laughs> Can't drive there. There's a fight. Are you okay? The real miracle of this movie is the fact that cell phone survived. Right. Oh my god. You just had a giant explosion and your cell phone towers still work? No, that Miles' individual cell phone survived after all that. Oh, yeah. Also, where are his pockets? <laughs> This is always how I feel whenever we do like like graffiti programs in colleges. <laughs> like, you know, we'll just find like this nice wall that like the college owns that like we won't get in trouble with, and like 
you can just throw some of your art up on this wall. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, sorry, Sam. Uh, did you say you're huh? late? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I said I'm weak because <laughs> yeah. of the little note and the graffiti. <laughs> Friendly so... neighborhood Spider Man. <laughs> So we're getting to the end of this film. Um, final thoughts? How are people feeling? Honestly, it's a phenomenal film ahead of its time. And it's a film that's always worth rewatching. Yeah, I just can't wait to watch things that are similar <laughs> or people like who get like the same kind of ideas to make more movies with like multi-ethnic families and characters and stuff like that so we can have that representation Mm -hmm. and have like that hype you know especially like with superheroes like it's cool like you know just seeing like I I don't like because then people can feel you know like damn like that could be me or like you know like the style and everything is definitely like what you said like Chris like relatable and everything you know Mm Yeah, I think that like that we have so little representation still in superhero comic books, movies and such that like you know Definitely. like we we it's, there's so many things that still need to be covered, you know? And like the idea that like like you said, Cheyenne, like like um Miles's multi ethnicity is like something that mm-hmm. like you know, like I don't think like ten years ago we would have ever thought we would have seen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like even. Sorry. Go ahead. I. Oh, I was about to say. You know, sorry. like they no, ended with like you could wear the mask. Like if you didn't know that, like I hope you know now. You know, like going to what um, Cheyenne was saying. Like, you know, that's the whole point of this movie it's like to see you in any of these characters whether the music or you know the the lines or whatever yeah the, the art um i was gonna touch something similar but i also just like how it ended with like everyone going back home to like the people who like grounded them or like just seeing like where they come from um but yeah. Yeah. Jake Johnson. That's the name. <laughs> I mean, that's I can see how you would forget that name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know, one of the things that that was good to think about with with Miles in the Marvel Universe is that it kind of led to this period where Marvel purposefully diversified their superhero 
like lineup, you know, and they went through kind of a multi-year period where they replaced a lot of their superheroes with more diverse characters. And they had, you know, um, uh, the new Iron Man was like a black female teenager and the new um, Thor was a woman and the new, you know, Hulk was an Asian um, uh, male and, you know, the new uh, uh, Captain America was uh, a black man. And so they kind of went through a period where they kind of did that to a lot of their heroes. And unfortunately, they kind of reverse coursed on that at some point. But like during that period of time, Marvel was coming out with some of the most incredible books because of how interesting these characters were, you know? And I think that like, it's really like, even though, even though Marvel didn't stick with it and they kind of gave up on it after a few years, it was still a really good moment to be able to point to. And when people kind of make this excuse of like, Oh, Spider-Man can't be anything but a white male or like Batman can't be anything but a white male. Like, it's a real like kind of moment to be like, no, like they're fictional characters. You can make them whatever you want. Like, yeah, you know, and like in fact that the, like making them diverse creates a rich storytelling opportunity, and you could tell stories that you wouldn't normally be able to tell in those situations. Um. Tribute to Stanley. <laughs> okay. Damn. For telling us we yeah. aren't the only ones. That's pretty yeah, cool like to end off the movie. Added, I don't know if y'all remember, but the very last part after these credits, they show the meme, the Spider Man meme. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wait, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I could skip to. Uh... Wait, hang on. Okay, wait. There's like this like last part. You'll just have to wait for it. Okay, so we're we're skipping down to the okay, two minutes skipping, left. Skipping okay. to the end of the credits. With end credits. <laughs> what is? This? What is happening? <laughs> this is a work of fiction. The characters, incidents, and locations portrayed in the names here are fictions. And any solo, oh, I couldn't read <laughs> I have no idea. I've never seen this before. Really? I've never seen all the way to the end. Actually, yeah. Oh, what? We know how in New York. What the hell? Oh, Miguel, that's right. That suit is so dope. Yeah. I've never seen this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> 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 That's funny. How 
have I not seen this? This is my third time like watching this. Wow. <laughs> so that um thank you for showing me that, uh Cheyenne. So that um uh uh Spider Man is Miguel O'Hara. That's Spider Man twenty ninety nine. And uh Miguel was is the future um Spider Man from the year twenty ninety nine. Um, and uh, is actually uh, uh, was the first uh, Latinx person to take on the Spider-Man mantle. the The twenty ninety nine stories were written back in like nineteen ninety four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, that's exciting. The fact that we might get to see Miguel O'Hara in a future movie. Um, so he's that's cool. Your Spider-Man. Yeah, so in the comic books, he's the Spider-Man that takes over in the year 2099. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but um, has kind of been in and out of various continuities. Um, so anyway, oh, uh, somebody left. Oh, Sharon. The cookie left. Did Sharon leave? Wait, that's, yeah, that's Sharon. Oh, oh, you're still, you're, you're still in Zencastle. Right, right, okay, okay, cool. Right. Um, okay, so any final okay. thoughts before we wrap up? This is great. Mm-hmm. I'm thank you for showing the that last two minutes, uh, uh, Cheyenne. It was something that I've not seen, and it was great. Um, okay, cool. Well, thank you all for sitting through this with us. Hopefully, um, folks who listened to this watched along with us and got to experience that, uh, along with the rest of us. Um, so thank you very much for another Movies with Mosaic podcast. Bye, y'all. Bye. Listen, listen carefully.